Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message that you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we're starting a new series entitled The Crimson Cross. Pastor Duane will be teaching us all about the blood of Jesus and all the power that comes with it. Jesus died on the cross for us, shedding his blood, giving us a complete redemption, which means nothing was left out. Let's see what Pastor has to say. Today, uh, I'm going to uh, start a mini-series, and I don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, I was just going to do one message, but it's already at least two. But I want to talk to you on the subject, the blood of his cross, the blood of his cross. Every year, uh, I try to do something on the blood. Now, the reason is this, because everything about the Christian faith rests on our understanding of the blood. Colossians 1 and verse 20 says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether they are things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That, that, that term, the blood of his cross, right, that covers everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. But notice it says he's made peace by the blood of his cross. Now, it's not just things on earth, but it's things in heaven. So in other words, the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of humanity, not only affected earth, but it affected heaven. Right? In fact, we're going to see later on in this series that the Bible actually teaches that Jesus, with his blood, purified things in heaven. Purified things in heaven. So kind of our, our main springboard text is going to be Romans 3 and verse 25, which says this, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, I want to start with the, the, the second part of that verse. Other translations said, God did this to demonstrate his justice. Since in his divine restraint, he had left the sins that were committed earlier unpunished. So Old Testament people, when they sinned, if they put their faith in the coming Messiah, and literally what they would do is they would sacrifice an animal, right? And most of the time, what they would do is they would literally, they'd put their hands on the animal, right? And they were transferring their guilt to the animal, right? And when somebody did that, what they were basically saying was this, I believe that there is a lamb that's coming someday that's gonna take away the sin of the world. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the blood of goats and of calves could not take away sin. Right? That's why every single year the high priest had to go in and put blood on the mercy seat again and again and again. But when Jesus came and he paid for sins, all right, he made, having made peace through the blood of his cross, with the blood that Jesus shed, Jesus made peace between God and man. 
When Adam and Eve sinned, they got kicked out of the garden. There was no longer fellowship. But what Jesus did, he brought us back together and he made peace through the blood of his cross. Now notice the first part of our verse says this, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now, faith is largely dependent on knowledge. You can't have faith for what you do not understand. And so what I want to do for the next couple of weeks is I simply want to talk about the blood, the blood of Jesus, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, notice it says he set him forth to be a propitiation. Now, again, if you don't go to church, the likelihood of your ever hearing somebody say propitiation is very low. Nobody goes to Myers and says, where's the propitiation aisle? They don't have any propitiation, right? So where, where, what in the world is propitiation? Right? Other translations make it clearer, right? One translation, I think this is very clear, says that he's the sacrifice. He becomes your sacrifice through faith in his blood. Right? So it's faith in what the blood purchased, but he becomes your sacrifice. Other translations say mercy seat, which is probably even the most accurate. Right? He becomes a mercy seat through faith in his blood. So we've got a picture here of the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, I was reading this morning in my devotions, I was reading in the book of Exodus. And I got, I don't know if it was chapter 20, 21, where it starts to describe the tabernacle. How many of you have read the whole Bible? All right. There is a part in the book of Exodus where they talk about Moses' tabernacle and they talk about the curtains and they talk about the hoops and they talk about the poles and they talk about the altar and, 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 and literally it's like six chapters and you're reading this thing and all, literally you come to the point you go, ah, what in the world is this whole thing about? Right? Well, the whole thing is about a box. That's what it's about. Right? It is about a box. So we need a picture of the box. The box is called the Ark of the Covenant. Right? And that box is in, was going to be put inside of Moses' tabernacle in the part where the priest could only go in one time a year. And the Bible says he could never go in without blood. Right? Now, if he went in and did something wrong, he would drop dead. And by the way, there were no volunteers to go get him. He's right in God's presence, right? So they literally, tradition says they'd tie a rope around his, his ankle. So if he died, they would just pull him out, right? Now, that box is the Ark of the Covenant. It's made of a particular type of wood. It's all overlaid with gold. And on top of it, you see two angels. They've got their wings spread out. Their wings are actually touching each other, right? Now, this is what God said, Exodus 25. I read this this morning. There I will meet with you. Now, it's above the lid and under the angel's wing. There I will meet with you from above the atonement seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony. I will communicate with you all the commands that I will give to you and to your people. So God, put that, that back up, would you? So God's presence is literally underneath those angel's wings 
and on top of the lid. Now, the lid is called the mercy seat. And the priest, one time a year, would go in, only once, and never without blood. And he would sprinkle that blood seven times over that altar, on top of that mercy seat. Now, right above that mercy seat is God's presence. Now, here's what you, how many of you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? All right, so you know you never open the lid, right? You never open the lid. But if you did, but you don't. All right. By the way, in the movie, they open the lid and it's the well of souls. It's not the well of souls. Right? But inside are the Ten Commandments. The literal Ten Commandments that Moses went up on the mountain with two tablets of stone. And the Bible says God wrote with his own finger those Ten Commandments. I wanted to ask this morning, has anybody broken any of those? All right. So underneath that mercy seat are all the commandments that you and I broke. And above that mercy seat is a holy, holy, holy God. But in between the commandments that you broke and I broke is a mercy seat that is covered with with blood. So between us and the wrath of a holy, holy God, there is blood. And what Jesus did with his blood, the Bible tells us that he brought us together. He made peace, right? He reconciled us. And he brought us back into relationship, into right standing with God. Now, when we talk about the blood, the reason the blood is so important And I'm not going to be able to get into this into real detail, but Acts 20 and verse 28 says this, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, which he purchased with his, whose blood? His own blood, right? So Jesus' blood was literally the blood of God. Now, can't go into great detail, but in Genesis chapter 3, God prophesies that there's one coming called the seed of the woman who would crush Satan's head. Later, he said he would come from the descendants of Abraham and then the descendants of David. Isaiah talked about him and said, a virgin will conceive and bear a son. And if you go through the centuries, God kept on speaking, speaking his word through his prophets, what the Messiah, who the Messiah was going to be until the New Testament tells us the fullness of time, right? Or literally harvest time, right? Those words that God spoke, those words produced, right? And what they produced was the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, and she conceives in her womb. But it is literally the word of God. The Bible says that you are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, even the word of God, which lives and endures forever. That word that God spoke again and again and again and again through the prophets, describing literally a hundred times in a hundred different ways what and who the Messiah would be, that word produced a harvest. And that harvest was found in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And she conceived and she bore a son. 
The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus is speaking as he's leaving heaven and he says, but a body you have prepared for me. And the blood that ran in his veins was not just human blood, it was literally the blood of God. He redeemed you with his own blood. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct or from the tradition, the lifestyle you received from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. His blood was precious blood. God redeemed you with his own blood. And Hebrews 9.22 says, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Um, it's been a few years now since uh, one of the well-known pastors in our city got up in front of his congregation and said that the blood of Jesus was no different than any other blood. And I remember when I, when I, I heard that, I, I felt so sorry for him and for anybody who would listen to him. Right? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness. And Jesus purchased you and I with the blood of God, with his own blood. The Bible calls it the precious blood of Jesus. Leviticus 17, verse 11, therefore, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it blood to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. Now, the word atonement, it means to exchange, to restore, to favor. To exchange or to restore to favor. What Jesus did with his blood was restore you and me to favor with God. I mean, it means to cleanse, to disannul, to forgive, to pardon, to put away, to reconcile. Jesus has reconciled us to God with his blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were taken out of the garden. And the Bible says that God killed animals. Right? Blood was immediately shed when there was sin. And he took the skins and he covered Adam and Eve. What blood in the Old Testament could do was cover because it was the blood of goats and calves and sheep. I, I, I believe I even know which animals were killed because the Bible says that Jesus was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I believe God killed lambs because he knew exactly what was going to happen, how Jesus was going to redeem us, how he was going to be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So immediately when Adam and Eve sinned, blood was shed right, to cover them. And that's all that the blood of goats and calves and lambs could do in the Old Testament. It was a picture of what was going to happen. And that's why, again, in Romans 3.25, it says that God did this to be righteous or to show his justice. He had, because people were looking forward to Jesus coming, he had overlooked 
their sin. He hadn't given them the punishment that their sins deserve. In Genesis chapter 4, we find Cain and Abel. Cain comes and he's a farmer and he brings God vegetables. He brings him some sweet corns, tomatoes, some radishes, some turnips, some carrots, and he brings it as an offering. And then his brother, Abel, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So Cain brings vegetables and God doesn't accept his offering. But his brother brings a lamb, kills the lamb, sheds his blood, and God receives his offering. Somebody says, well, why didn't God receive the offering that Cain brought? Well, it's because you can't get blood from turnips. That's why. God was looking for blood. Now, look, look, literally, all of those vegetables represented man's efforts, man's work to get right with God. And you and my efforts cannot make us right with God. There's only one way for your and my sin to be remitted, and that's through the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, which is a type of what Jesus is going to do, if you sinned, you brought an offering to the priest. And before it was offered, the priest, listen, he would examine your offering. He didn't examine you. He examined your offering. And if your offering was perfect, there's no flaw, there's no birth defect in your offering, then you were accepted. Then you were accepted. You see, the Bible tells us that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And let me tell you about Jesus. He was perfect. Without fault, without blemish of any kind at all. So God isn't looking at how bad you've been or how good you've been. He's looking at your offering. He's looking at where you have your your faith. And that's why the Bible tells us it is through faith in his blood that we are reconciled. We have peace. We're brought back into right relationship. We have favor with God. In the Old Testament, Moses went into that tabernacle. And um, if you ever wondered what it was like to go to church with Moses, the Bible actually tells us in the book of Hebrews what Moses did. It said when they went to church with Moses, it says that first of all, Moses took blood and he sprinkled all of the vessels of worship. So he's sprinkling the candelabra. He's sprinkling the golden, uh, excuse me, the, the, the brazen altar. He's sprinkling blood on, on everything that's inside of the temple for worship. And then the Bible says that Moses took blood and he sprinkled all the people. Right? So if you went to church with Moses, listen, you never were white. <laughs> because this is what you knew. Whether I'm in the front or in the balcony, if I go to church with Moses, I'm going to get, I'm going to have blood on me, right? And then after that, the Bible says that he took blood and he sprinkled it on the book. Now, that was the part of the Bible that they had. Now, why did he put blood on the book? Because the book is a blood covenant 
book. Right? So he put blood on the book. So what we see is this. The highest form of worship in the Bible always has to do with faith in blood. It always has to do with faith in the blood. Right? It's wonderful when we lift our hands, when we clap, when we kneel. Those are wonderful. But it is faith in the blood that is the highest form of worship. In Hebrews 9, in verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for us. Now, what the Bible tells us, in fact, the Amplified Translation makes this a little clearer. He says, he went once for all into the holy of holies of heaven. The holy of holies of where? Heaven. So, so Jesus took his blood to heaven. Now, Moses' tabernacle was a copy. The Bible tells us this clearly in the book of Hebrews. That Moses, when he's making the tabernacle, God says, you make it exactly the way that I show you. Right? Because it's a copy, the Bible tells us, in the New Testament of God's tabernacle in heaven. Right? So Jesus took his blood into the holy of holies of heaven. Not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but his own blood. And having found and secured a complete redemption and everlasting release for us. So Jesus took his blood to heaven and he took his blood and put it on the mercy seat in heaven. Right? Now, in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to get there probably next week, the Bible tells us right, plainly that that blood that Jesus put on the mercy seat in heaven is speaking. When Cain killed Abel, God said, his blood is crying out to me from the ground. But Hebrews, the book of Hebrews said that the blood of Jesus is speaking better things than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood wanted vengeance, but Jesus' blood is on the mercy seat in heaven. And that blood is speaking on your behalf and saying, God, forgive them, bless them, use them, anoint them. God, deliver them. That blood is speaking on your behalf right now. And Jesus took that blood into heaven. And listen, 24-7, 365, God is in the presence of blood, of Jesus' blood. Right? It's on that mercy seat. Right? And that is literally the throne of God in heaven. That's his throne, that mercy seat. And it's speaking today. So we have a Bible says a complete redemption and an everlasting release. Now, when it says a complete redemption, this is what it means. It means that God planned for everything and he provided for freedom in every area of your life and my life. We have coverage for, um, from, from, or we can say this, from and on every area through faith in the blood of Jesus. It's a complete redemption. That means God did not forget anything. That means there are no special problems, no unique problems that are not covered by the blood of Jesus. 
God did not overlook anything in his plan for redemption. Jesus paid for everything. So you will never go, God, this is my problem. And God go, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Jesus, look at this. Holy Ghost, look at this. Gabriel, look. They have a problem and we don't have a solution because we forgot about this in redemption. Never going to happen. It doesn't matter what the problem is, whether it's a spiritual problem, a financial problem, whether it has to do with your, your, your relationships, whether it has to do with your health, whatever it is, is covered. Jesus paid too high a price for your freedom, for you and I to go through life bound and oppressed and depressed and defeated in fear, in bondage, and in addictions. He paid too high a price. And you were, he obtained a complete, total redemption. A friend of mine tells a story of when his kids were young teenagers, went to Florida to Disneyland. They made the mistake of going in the summer, and it was just hot, and there were long lines. And he said they were waiting in line for a particular ride, and the line was long. They're waiting over an hour, and in front of them, there's this grandma with her little grandson who's like maybe 10 years old. And this dude, he's got on a Mickey Mouse hat, right? He's got a Mickey Mouse shirt. He's got a, a, a drink, you know, some kind of slurpy thing with Mickey Mouse on it, all right? And they're waiting in line, and this kid says, Grandma, it's so hot. Grandma, I want something else to drink. And Grandma, I don't even know if I'm going to like this ride. Grandma, do we have to wait in line so long? Grandma, can we just go back to the hotel? I don't want to stand here anymore. Grandma, it's so hot. And Grandma looked at the little kid and said, shut up. I'm just reporting what Grandma did. Right? She said, shut up. He says, I want you to listen to me. She said, we have come all the way from Arkansas. We have driven hundreds and hundreds of miles to get there. And besides that, I paid $1,600 for us to be at the hotel eat good food, and you to ride these rides and to have fun. And you will have fun. Now, I think God in heaven looks down at a lot of his children, and he said, Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth, and he paid the price of his blood on the cross. And it is not right for you to go through life in bondage addicted, depressed, defeated, full of fear and oppressed. You need to get some faith in the blood of Jesus and get some victory and have a good time. Have a good time. Jesus paid too high of a price for your victory and my victory for us to go through life defeated and in bondage and think we're victims because we are not. We're in Christ and we are victors, not victims. Right. Tell you what, when that snake came and bit the apostle Paul, the Bible says he shook it off. Right. And because of the blood of Jesus, whatever the devil is coming at you and me with, we need to shake it off. Shake it off. Hebrews 9 verse 12. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goats and calves blood. 
and instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. So Jesus, different than the Old Testament, the Old Testament priest had to come back every year because blood from bulls and goats and calves could not take away sin. But Jesus' blood, one time, one time, paid for it all, redeemed us, reconciled us, put our hand back in God's hand, and he did it once for all. The plain English translation said he obtained everlasting deliverance. So what that means is this. You believe the message, and you can get free, but you can stay free. You can stay free all week, all month. See, you, he pulls you out of that pit, and you don't need to get back in the pit. Right? You say, well, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter your circumstances, because he obtained an eternal, everlasting redemption for you and me to get free and to stay free. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And then it goes on and says that he has made us to be kings and priests, kings and priests to God the Father. So not only did the blood of Jesus reconcile us and put our hand in God's hand and restore us. Not only did it wash us from our sins, but by the blood of Jesus, he has made you to be a king and to be a priest. In Hebrews 4 and 16, it says it like this. But we must then fearlessly and confidently come to the throne of grace that we will find mercy and grace to help in every situation when we need them. So the blood of Jesus, listen, does not simply take care of your past sins. That's mercy. But the blood of Jesus brings grace, right? Grace is supernatural ability to do what you need to do today. You know, before I came out here today, one of the things that I did was I was pleading the blood of Jesus. I'm going to talk about pleading the blood, by the way, in one of the weeks that's coming up, all right? But I'm pleading the blood over this service, over my ability to communicate. You see, and when we do, we are to receive ability, supernatural ability because of the blood. The blood doesn't just do something for all the stuff you've done yesterday, but the blood does something for you today. It gives you grace. It empowers us today. The blood makes us kings and priests today to God the Father. And we need to put some faith in the blood because it's when we put faith in that blood that he becomes a propitiation, a sacrifice for us, right? That puts our hand in God's hand, gives us favor, reconciles us to him, but the blood supernaturally is to enable us to do what God has called us to do today. Say, God made fish to swim in an ocean.
He made eagles to fly in the sky, but he made you to have relationship with him. And if you don't have relationship with God, you're living life, but you're not living life to its fullest. You're not living life the way you were intended to live life. Your purpose is to have relationship with God. And if you're watching today and you realize I'm not right with God and I don't have that relationship, would you bow your head and pray a prayer right now with me and begin that relationship with God? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm gonna live for him every day. And I thank you that you love me, that you've heard my prayer, that you receive me, that I am forgiven and I'm a part of your family now, today and forever in Jesus name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. It's full of bullet points that are really going to make a difference in your spiritual walk. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. Now, you can download that book or you can contact us and we'll send you a hard copy. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly or find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBFGIVE to one 888 364 give visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give or click on the giving icon in our app find us on roku amazon fire tv and on your favorite social platform by searching wbf tv also check out our app in your favorite app store you can download past sermons follow along with notes speak confessions over your life and so much more until next time have a blessed week